or thinking about reuse ahead of time was that um, the two uh, biggest drivers would be cost savings and um, environmental benefits. And it's not that those aren't important, they still are, um, but the there's a the third key one of uh, sovereignty over supply chain has been a lot more important than I, than I realized. Welcome back to the Clean Techies podcast, where we interview climate tech founders and VCs to discuss all things building and investing to solve the biggest challenge of our generation, climate change. Today, we have a great episode with James Wilson, the founder and CEO of Reuser, R-E-U-S-E-R, where they are helping crack the code on reusable containers from dining institutions. James became interested in the problem during COVID by realizing how much of a negative impact he was having through the waste of his takeout. It's all about the user experience and taking out the friction. So what they're currently working uh, working on is they're working with universities to implement and test this technology to kind of refine it before they end up going out to other institutions. It's a really, really fascinating problem and solution that really involves user experience and human psychology, which is probably why I'm really fascinated by it. Um, I really, really enjoyed making this episode and, and having this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome to the show, James. How's it going? I am doing quite well, uh, having a good day out here in Connecticut, uh, and um, excited to talk to you more about what we're doing and uh, and be on this podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. I think uh, what you've got here is pretty pretty interesting. Obviously, we've we've been able to speak um, prior to recording the show, so it's always good to have some context for myself. So I'm not just poking in the dark. But uh, let's get a let's kind of get a get us started with a bit of background on yourself and, and what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm James. I'm the CEO of Reuser. Uh, so I have been working on Reuser for the past two years, um, and before that, I uh, graduated from Wesleyan University um, in uh, 2017, um, and then started working at um, a ticketing technology company where I fell in love with the software development lifecycle and. Um, working with clients to better understand their problems that they were facing to help um, build features with developers to to really solve those problems. And um, in the midst of the pandemic, just really um, took a look around me as to what was going on with their environment um, and um, saw how much takeout packaging waste I was contributing to and how was it was contributing to the global plastic waste crisis. Um, and thought back to my time as a student at Wesleyan University over five years beforehand, where we had used reusable takeout containers like these uh, that could then be taken away uh, from the dining hall to for uh, to get food and then be brought back and cleaned and used again. And I was like, why are these not getting used in other places? And started to uh, talk to restaurants about this and really discovered that it wasn't a cost thing. Their takeout packaging costs were only continued climb. Um, and supply chain issues were actually making it harder for them to access the packaging that they needed, but they just couldn't trust that uh, their customers would return this packaging back to them. So I then talked to uh, my my own university and several other universities who are running reusable containers programs and discovered that they were really struggling to keep that packaging in circulation there as well and really uh, drove me to spur on and look at how we could really build better systems of reuse and make this um, more feasible is to and dive into the root causes that were really driving that um, so that we can can really make sure that 
these better feasible economic systems can be uh, can actually ensure uh, different milestones are hit uh, and really uh, keep more of this packaging and other items in circulation as well. Awesome. You, you've covered all the big things right away. I like this, that we get right into the meat of things. So just to kind of recap, you got interested in climate essentially and sustainability during COVID. You had that realization and uh, you're, you're helping solve the problem, which is not so much the containers per se, but more getting the behavior of the consumers to bring, bring these containers back so they can be reused. So I want to have you tell us a bit of stats. I'm sure you're quite familiar. Can you give people a bit of color on what is the real problem with the circular economy, more broadly speaking? What could be done? You know, what what are we looking at as a kind of total negative impact currently? Um, that's a there's a lot of different facets in the circular economy, and like what what really um, how different things are, are touched on with that. That being said, um, with recycling systems currently. Um, it recycling was never meant to, to capture everything and it's not capturing everything. Um, whereas many people are now familiar with the statistics that um, rough, less than 10% of, um, of items that, that could be recycled actually are. Um, and recycling itself often just means what it really comes down to as a definition is that um, it's taking that material that was in once of its life, breaking it down to then be made into something else um, versus a reuse being um, it keeping that exact same object in its same conditions to where it can be used again and again. Hey there, quick break to remind any founders or VCs listening, if you are looking for deal flow, seeking to raise funding, looking for partners to help service your needs, or perhaps you're looking for corporate investment partners, feel free to reach out to us through our Slack channel, which can be found in the description. Because we meet a lot of people in this space, we set aside time each week to make introductions to the various people that we encounter. This is something we do free of charge in order to help these incredible companies solving climate change to scale. Looking forward to hearing from you in the Slack channel. Um, so when you're breaking it down, there's more energy involved with that process. There's different buyers that are needed to actually use those, those weaker materials in that process uh, from, from recycled content. And unfortunately, much of that is not able to be captured um, at this point in time to actually be used again. Um, but from, uh, from a reuse um, where like the, the items staying in its same consistent function, um, it enables you to avoid needing to manufacture and transport that item again and again from between different locations. It can stay more on site, avoid um, the, the costs as well as the emissions involved from, from more of those processes um, and enable for, and compared to, to many single use options as well, um, the uh, even many bio-based options um, the the ability to greatly reduce the the impact and the cost associated with producing something um, because you're you're not needing to produce it each time you're just getting a longer lifespan um, from from better materials in that process. What do you say to people who might be like, well, you know what, that's a great problem, but it's so complicated. Why not just use you know biodegradable um, packaging? Is there a specific kind of argument against that, or is there a specific specific um, problem with doing it that way? Um, so it's not that I'm definitely not against biodegradable packaging. I think there's a, a lot of rooms where um, biodegradables can can be great options as well. And I, I think it will be a mix um, of, of both biodegradable and reusable to really work on, on solving this. And um, ho hopefully even some of the more reusable packaging can be made of better like biodegradable materials. Um, it's just right now, 
biodegradable per use um, is more is more expensive for more groups to adopt, um, where um, many much of that packaging um, has a um, the, the materials are newer in their uh, in their infancy, so it, it just on a they need to be manufactured each time, be transported to each location. There's still disposable and disposal associated with each of those um, those materials itself, whether wherever they need to end up, um, so that they can um, uh, have some sort of um, end life. Um, and from any of that man manufacturing and transportation again and again in this process and disposal, there's still recurring emissions um, from that. Whereas with a single system um, where it's manufactured, then going to a place where it can then be reused again, um, it's staying in that system and only having emissions from it being cleaned. Mm -hmm. Ideally, there, there are some ex uh, examples outside of uh, where they're like, they'll be transported by cars. Ideally with circular systems, you're really trying to keep them as close um, to where they're going to be operating so that you're not needing to um, increase the the impact of those items either and the, the costs mm -hmm. involved with each of those materials. Yeah, so it sounds like even even if you do go the biodegradable route, it's not necessarily the most sustainable solution because um, of the increased, uh, you know, there's, there's more cost, but also, you know, you have to continue producing items and then you're just letting it go. Why has this problem not been solved yet? What's been the reason, the main reason why either nobody's tackled it or it hasn't been solved already? Because I'm, I'm assuming this is, you know, this isn't necessarily a very new idea per se, maybe somewhat new, but not like, you know, it didn't just come out yesterday, this, this idea, right? Hey there, are you building a climate tech business and looking for very specialized talent? Consider reaching out to our sponsors, NextWave Partners. NextWave are experts in talent acquisition, recruitment, and retention across the climate tech, renewables, and ESG spaces globally. So if your team is growing or you're looking to make a career change yourself, feel free to reach out to NextWave at next-wavepartners.com or reach out to one of their consultants directly via their LinkedIn page. It's a good question. Um, and I think that uh, there's there's not just like one, one fell, fell reason. I think there's... Uh, for a long time, a lot of our uh, our systems have been more driven by consumerism, uh, where um, the where the consumer has been willing hasn't had to been directly exposed to what their cost of packaging is, um, where they're not uh, they're where the the suppliers of that packaging have been more interested in showcasing their their branding and representing um, their their product information about it versus necessarily providing um, a, a package that can uh, can be multi like can be reused across other brands uh, to be used as well. And that's one thing that'll be interesting for the um, circular economy to also work to address to make sure that uh, these companies can actually um, still keep some semblance of, of recognition for their their clients that are that are working to use that. Um, but I think is is also a beneficial mechanism of it being reusable packaging is that it's it's not going to be stuck in someone's mind as something that um, is thrown away and is a cheap quality thing that um, can be disposed of easily. Um, in, in a similar sense um, to that, that that cost um, and awareness of uh, of the issues of waste it has not been top of mind for, for many people that um, until uh, 2018, like we were, the United States was um, exporting a lot of its plastic waste uh, to China for it to deal with. And it was a big wake up call for me was that 
when a New York Times released an article that China announced that they were no longer going to import U.S. plastic waste. And it sent off alarm bells to me. It was like, why are we doing this? Why are we sending this over to them to begin with? And many Southeast Asian countries have still been um, importing it from us. But many of those groups don't have ecosystems to be able to handle that waste. And more and more of those groups just are, are not even able to take more of that on. So as it becomes closer to our shores and we're gonna to need to deal with those um, systems more so, um, I think, and as well with the pandemic hitting, I think that's been a really big wake up call for people to, to see around in their home as to what, uh, how much waste is in front of them just that they're producing themselves. And can they do better from their own actions that they're looking to take? It's kind of crazy that we're shipping our waste. It, is it because they want the products or just because like, hey, you know, these countries are willing to to have us pay them to take it, even though it involves us shipping it across the entire ocean? So, yeah, there's a there's a, a lot that goes into that. I, I can't uh, um, I can't strictly say um, all the, the reasons why why one country would decide uh, versus another. Um, some of it's been uh, just based on the the trade deals that they've implemented um, mm -hmm. for for other types of goods. That um, that's that's one of the other mm -hmm. um, things that can be included with it because much of that that waste still doesn't it is not getting repurposed into other things. Um, it's yeah. just working. It's then just ending up in another location. Yeah. Wow. Just from one from one landfill to the other, um, or from one spot to just a, a landfill somewhere else. That's it's kind of interesting. I, I never really thought about. It. I knew that we transported amongst ourselves in the u.s in different places i think i think i heard recently that um we're running out of landfill capacity in new york state for new york city's waste for example but um let's talk about your solution a bit so you know how, how are you going about solving this problem um what specifically are the key components to to making this work uh so one of the so how are we started with this so we're looking at making it easier for both the individual uh to to reuse where we understand that like they were comparing to um, the the process of, of currently just throwing something away, just super simple and trash cans are around in, in many different locations for that to be feasible. Um, but we want to um, make reuse uh, as simple as that, but also provide more of a techno technological element to incentivize and ensure that the individuals that are engaging in it um, are have are, we're engaging in the lovers to ensure that this is something that they they want to continue doing, whether by um, representing like the environmental benefits that we're already looking to do uh, by uh, showcasing that they're saving a container from the landfill um, but each time that they uh, continue to return a container, um, as well as uh, to show their their lifetime doing it, but also um, now that we can track more metrics around that, really work towards uh, being able to uh, lock in showed to these organizations the real cost savings that they're providing to them by continuing to keep that packaging in circulation um, and drive towards reward mechanisms that can uh, that can unlock um, and fuel uh, incentivize from the uh, dollar uh, dollar perspective that this really is a, a better behavior for for all um, people to engage in um, and with that uh, I think one of the we're there's a lot of work in progress here, but we're in order to make this behavior really sticky. Um, we really see that this isn't something that uh, we need it to be not only easy, but fun and something that people want to keep coming back to do, not something that they just have to do and uh, 
come to, to dread about doing it. Um, so how that looks like with, with us currently is so we've um, started to work on making this, this process easier for individuals. And as I talked to previously, I was a student, I understood um, the, the pains that I had using reusable takeout containers on campuses um, and remembered that uh, and realized that a lot of this loss that uh, got led to was that although I loved using my container, I would forget to bring it back to the to the dining hall. I would have um, four or five containers in my room at the end of the year that would never uh, get returned um, because the, the next time I would go to get food, I would still have that container in my room. Um, so we're working to make that process easier for them to, to return by enabling them to return without direct supervision from a, a dining attendant watching um, them uh, return that container and or keeping track of a physical keychain that they would still lose, um, that they can just simply scan a QR code um, at the, the pickup or drop-off location and scan the container that they're pick up, picking up or returning um, to engage in this behavior and uh, collect uh, digital credits for the containers that they're returning um, to ensure that they uh, can keep that, that container, uh, the ability to, to continue to reuse again and again. Interesting. So it's it's really, again, it's not the hardware that's the problem. It's not the you know the the containers. It's more of the behavior, forgetting things. Like, I have my my coffee thermos that I sometimes forget to bring to work with me. So when I go to you know my my favorite coffee shop down the road, I can't get my ten cents discount for not using a cup, right? Um. So that's interesting. How how and I would just how, jump in on that real quick on as well that. Um, from a consumer side, I really see that as a, as a lot of the problem. But from the um, the enterprise side, a lot of it as well is that um, the total lack of transparency into how these systems are operating, where previously there was no data or almost no data as to how uh, how packaging, how much packaging was available, like at, at different locations, how, um, how much was currently checked out with students that could potentially end up uh, coming back. That they would just go through large droughts of, of packaging and then um, need to to repurchase huge elements and then might mm. get lump sums back at different points in time. Um, that we're working to to better fuel with them to provide them with the um, from the this this process to help them be able to visualize um, really what their inventory levels are across their locations as well as um, be able to have insights into like how much of that packaging really is getting brought back uh, to ensure that by measuring the problem can really work towards solving it as well. How are some of those ways that you get people? Because you, you mentioned it sounds like multi-location. So let's maybe talk about the example you gave, which is universities, right? Um, you know, is it usually there's one kind of point that they need to be returned to? Is it multiple? How do you manage? Do you have like certain gamification that you do inside of it to make sure, hey, you know, maybe we'll try to get them to return to this place or any way that you can engage with them? I'm, I'm really curious to understand how you use the app and kind of like interact with human psychology to get that to get that achieved. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you made it this far, it's likely that you're enjoying the show. So I wanted to ask your help. If you're enjoying it, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share with somebody in the same industry who might find this interesting. And if you're interested in getting summaries of these episodes, go subscribe to our newsletter that comes out on LinkedIn and Substack. Links can be found in the description. Thanks for your help in growing the reach of this show. Yeah, so we're uh, definitely don't try to, uh, we want to make this as easy as possible for people to continue to return. So we're there's no requirement that they, like if they pick up from um, dining hall A that they have to return it to dining hall A. Um, there, there is still a, a flow of, of packaging between the different locations uh, to help them better un, 
Um, and as we collect data as to where they're getting picked up and dropped off, uh, can help them understand uh, which locations might might have more at different points in time. Um, so they they can return the the packaging wherever the uh, there are drop off locations currently. Uh, so with our with our current partners, um, that's been mainly at the the direct dining halls because those are the places where they're going to be cleaned anyways. Um, however, um, we're also as we continue to iterate on this and uh, work to build in systems with them, wanted to enable that, that drop-off process to be even more seamless to um, be able to occur at other locations like their student dorms and uh, facilities where um, they it's will most provide the least friction possible to ensure that those containers get back to a return location and can get transported um, back to a place where they can be cleaned. Mm -hmm. How... Um... How are some of the ways that you demonstrate there? And I'd be curious if you have any data on how it affected the people doing it. Maybe you did some test runs where there was no lifetime impact of what you're doing. And then you you implement that and you see a spike in usage, right? It's like, oh wow, you, you know, if you take it back with you, you'll, you know, save this much. And then there's a kind of a score, a lifetime score. Um, any any things that you can share there, insight as you were learning from the from the consumers? Uh, sorry, can you, do you mind repeating your question? Yeah, yeah, mainly I'm trying to, I'm curious to hear, you know, if you, I don't know what the process was when you started, but if you were collecting data on, okay, how many people are returning it? And now we're going to introduce this new thing, which is, okay, here's how much impact you're, you're saving, right. Uh, in terms of something visual on this application for them. And then over time, you know, seeing that spike because people are like, wow, this feels really good. They can visualize what they're doing because otherwise it's just like, oh, I forgot my, my container, right? Versus, mm -hmm. oh man, I left a negative impact. And I would still say that to that, like we're still very early days on uh, mm -hmm. evaluating these tests of like the, uh, and, and making more of these changes. So uh, we have seen that with our, uh, we recently implemented a change less like a, a month ago now, uh, or even so that like uh, really worked to, to highlighting with each container returned um, that they're saving container from the landfill um, by doing that um, versus just uh, talking about like the, the credits that were being redeemed back to them um, that were uh, working to, to showcase that more in, in front of them as well as highlighting the benefits of that. Um, we've seen uh, a, a better I don't there I don't have a direct uh, number increase on this from like the behavioral perspective but that's something that we're still looking to to measure and and reinforce um, as we continue to, to ab test to see um, what uh, what sort of metrics uh, are, are best driving that behavior we're really seeing from uh, I think that that's been more of a uh, benefit but not like the the driving decision within that space the, the convenient mechanisms have been more of the things that we've have really seen like doing doing that change from switching over from um, as well for like the more systematic changes of uh, campuses switching to reusable packaging only um, for takeout um, has, have, has driven more towards um, over like a groundswell and education around like what the, the benefits are of this as well as um, their uh, a, a great uh, uptick in that that packaging use um, being uh, and the, the amount of packaging that's being saved from mm -hmm. those uh, those uh, from reuse, um, but it's still something that uh, we are we are examining and just working to to gather more data 
um, as we can uh, mm -hmm. to look into to more of these uh, tests that we're looking to run. Yeah, this to me, honestly, like I, I nerd out about these things a bit because I think it's, you know, it all comes down to human psychology and how you interact with things and, and the design aspect, right? Because what you're doing is like, you know, the app is the app, right? But it really comes down to what is the, what are the kind of levers that you can pull? How is it designed and everything that you can get it? Because I, I assume, you know, once you crack that, you would then be able to use that, that insight on different models, right? You, you can then apply it to more commercial settings rather than just universities, for example. Um, I'm really fascinated by this. I'm, I'd be keen to definitely see how this goes in the, in the coming months and, and year or so, and then come have you back on. Um, I'd like to talk about the getting started part. So we, we've kind of covered the solution in, in, in summary at the high level, right? People are able to interact with this app and you're, you're working on the nuances on how to get that, you know, more effective. Um, and they return them and they're rewashed re and reused and, and maybe redistributed amongst the various dining halls in this case. But how did you get started when, once you decided on this idea, you know, kind of walked through the origin a little bit more on, okay, I had the idea, I went and validated it this way. And then I just, you know, decided, you know what, I got to do this. I, I want to know how you made that leap. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I talked to a little bit about how, uh, regarding my going out and talking to restaurants, but really what that meant was I went out to a restaurant and uh, like would order, like looked at who I was ordering takeout from and just talked to them to see, um, I understood like just timing wise, they, they might be busy, but it was like, hey, is there a time that I could come back to, I'm an entrepreneur like in uh, in your area, I'd love to learn more about your business and like the, the different problems that you're facing. Um, to then uh, there's, for restaurants, some of them have different downtimes like between like, um, like 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. where there's just not as many customers coming in that um, the owners were, were pretty willing to just sit with me and, and talk about what they were what they were facing and um, like what their their takeout packaging costs were like and um, to, to better understand um, from them like really uh, what their what their costs were what their their access was like what what was important to them from from their packaging um, where um, some of them was like, it was really important that their, their brand still, um, was, uh, in, in front of their, uh, their customers faces. But a lot of them were thinking about like the, uh, at that time or about the, the supply chain and how, um, how they could really dependably get the packaging that they needed to supply their customers. Um, and then from like a university perspective, it really was, uh, going through the, um, the avenues that I already knew of, um, being a, an alumni at Wesleyan, talking through the uh, sustainability director there and getting connected with the, the dining director to talk to them about um, what they were doing with their reusable container program and learning from them that they'd actually switched back uh, during the pandemic to disposables, but were um, uh, based on replacements and struggling to get back into uh, to switching back to reusables. Um, and then also talking with uh, friends about this who were able to reach out on on my behalf to introduce me to uh, to their universities and um, and and dining groups to be able to have those initial conversations to understand um, what they were working through. So it's really just trying to tap into networks and even like the local communities that existed around me to uh, determine best or to, to really uh, not just make assumptions, but uh, make sure that I directly heard what those, got those data points of 
how uh, different people uh, and and clientele, potential clientele, were feeling about mm-hmm. about packaging and the the systems around them around it. So, so how many, how long did you spend kind of poking around before you decided, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, actually building something and then what was that step? So how long, and then what was the next step? Um, so we probably spent, uh, so I started thinking through the idea of it, uh, at the very beginning of, uh, 2021. Um, and so I think we thought about this for probably, uh, close to half a year while I was still working um, on something else full-time, um, to then, uh, really come up with a better idea and start building, uh, the initial uh, building blocks and, uh, talking with, uh, like the dining team at Wesleyan about what a, an MVP app might look like to, to help solve their, uh, that, that students could use, um, and, and practice. Um, so we, uh, what that looked like was then, uh, t- Kind of still a little bit close to what we have today is a, something that, that students could use to um, to scan that that packaging um, in and out um, to be able to identify without the need for a physical keychain or um, a, a direct container swap um, that they uh, had indeed returned um, that that container and brought that back into the system um, and then it was then getting on the ground with them to get that feedback as to what was what was working and what was not, where we quickly found that um, where we had left the, thought it'd be really helpful to them to leave the scanner active to um, make it as fast as possible for students to be able to scan, um, then discovered that by leaving it active, uh, students were scanning things that they weren't intending to scan. Um, so by adding a, a simple um, mechanism where they were to allow them to, to tap to, to scan when they um, really intended to, uh, could really ensure a better efficacy for the the, the process and make it an easier process for them to actually um, reuse the packaging itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then, so are you? I, I don't want to make sure I've got this. Are you a technical person? Like, have, did you build this yourself, or how how did you do go about that? Because there's a lot of people out there who have ideas and and kind of execution, but aren't so on so much on the technical side. Yeah, I would I would say I'm not very technical, uh, so I did not do any of the coding for this. Um, fortunately, I have an amazing co-founder, uh, uh, Luke, uh, who is my freshman year roommate at Wesleyan, and um, was who I immediately reached out to once I was um, thinking about uh, working on Reuser. Um, and he um, wrote a lot, all the coded for the our backend API, and then we tied in some uh, with an external group to to just finish out an initial. Um, the app itself, but um, I have come from the business side of things and also working to design um, the pages and what they would look like from um, and from a feel of what I would like to use and uh, would help me be able to, to perform these processes um, and uh, then get the direct feedback from the students and then um, test everything before implementation as well as working, uh, being on the ground to Get, gather that feedback to ensure that we could continue to Im- improve and um, talk to the uh, uh, bring that feedback back to our technical team to ensure that anything that was built next really fit the uh, the needs of uh, of the the people that were going to be using it. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you go about collecting the feedback from the students? How, how like was this a manual process? Were you able to really effectively get it collected frequently? And how did that work? 
Yeah, so it's it's still been um, like a manual process, and I, I think that's it's still a really good thing about where we're at operation wise. But we're um, what that looked like is it's a, an aspect of what they're doing for using a takeout. So we it was me being on site at those locations to to talk to students about um, the the program, um, having direct uh, uh, strong communication built with the, the dining teams that were, were on site to be able to, to call them um, and have them have be able to openly reach out whenever they, they were experiencing issues to ensure that um, they could get a hold of me as quickly as, as possible. Um, but also, I mean, as, as a function of them using our, our app to to take out, it was a, uh, I could be there on site at these locations to then talk to uh, just students that were using the app to uh, to better hear from them what they what they liked, what they what they didn't, and what they um, might see as uh, things that they could could help them in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating on, in terms of a collective feedback. I think there's probably so many businesses out there that could really really benefit from just taking like good feedback because there's there's taking feedback and there's getting reviews and then there's really really getting you know valuable insights. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously you, you can't build everything into a, a feature if somebody requests it, but if you get a lot of people requesting it, perhaps, you know, uh, consider it. I, I always wish I had this certain, you know, I'm, I'm, I am particular about my own product. So it's like, I'm like, oh man, you know, this could be so much better. I wish I had a button directly to the product manager and be like, Hey, I would like this. I'm not sure if anybody else wants that, but you know, <laughs> can we check? This oh, out, absolutely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. And I, I think, um, with that as well, it's been been learning through the process itself. Like I, I didn't have a ton of experience beforehand uh, trying to uh, with gathering feedback, um, although I had had some. Um, that making sure that uh, with being physically present and able to ask them the que- questions about what we're doing, that it wasn't done so in a uh, in a leading way. That um, I mm-hmm. I felt that. I could see that depending on how I introduced the way that I would ask questions, it would lead to different responses. That if I started off by saying, hey, I'm the CEO and founder of Reuser, people would immediately switch to a different gear of trying to be nicer about things. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to get the the real um, real feedback as to, to what they, they really were experiencing. Um, yeah. So- you- you need to uh, apply the mom test principles, right? You you can't ask somebody who's going to tell you, "Oh yeah, it's great, keep going." <laughs> you know, yep. um, interesting. That's and then, not the so, feedback that's going to be helpful. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, how how does the business model work currently? Because if I understand it correctly, you're you're you guys are already making money, but what's the business model now versus what you think it might be in the future? It's kind of keen to chat through that part. Yeah. Uh, so we. Uh, we currently sell to to campuses, so we're the clients that we're directly working with are uh, the uh, the individual universities as well as the the dining services that partner with these groups. So um, for for Wesleyan, this has been um, selling directly to uh, like Wesleyan is the has the final say on, on the purchase from us um, and um, buying the, the software on, uh, from our subscription, um, but for uh, Trinity College that we work with, um, it's uh, in conjunction with Trinity College, like Chartwells is also covering that from part of their budget, which uh, Chartwells is a dining service that operates um, under Compass Group across uh, many different uh, campuses across the U.S. Uh, so it's tying, uh, there is a very intricate system, uh, many universities are, that there's um, different layers to this of working 
um, up through like the, the dining chain as well as um, through the um, individual institution itself um, the, the for uh, through the different partners for those uh, these purchasing decisions, but um, has also led to um, good networks that we're looking to explore to, to help uh, be able to replicate these models at, at other clients as well. Um, so that we can, um, by helping Wesleyan and Trinity and uh, Cornerstone reuse, can can showcase that to their larger dining services to um, help them show how easy it can be to, to implement uh, and, and track this information at other places as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously maybe somewhat from a, from a university's perspective, uh, an interest to be more sustainable, of course. But also, I think I'd be keen to understand if there is also a financial reward that could be there once this is scaled, right? So in the in the long run, can this actually, even if they're paying for a subscription, can this actually save them money from a, a materials use perspective? Is that the idea in the future? Yeah, that's the, that's the whole idea behind this is that um, from day one, we're looking to unlock or essentially day 90 work to unlock uh, cost savings um, for the for these programs that um, if they they would previously been be replacing like inventories of or, or multiple inventories of reusable packaging um, every year um, that they can instead um, built into our model of like we're, we're building in our save instead of paying like a larger amount to replace all of that packaging um, pay us a subscription in addition to what they've currently paid for packaging and ensure that that packaging stays in use longer um, so that we can uh, really uh, and uh, the economics around it is really around 30 uses uh, per container uh, per, per reusable container. Um, the It starts to become cheaper than disposable packaging um, because the and the main point of that cost actually comes from um, the cost of of washing the container, um, where there's regular energy being used, um, and and that the process of all this um, some labor costs associated with it. Mm -hmm. So, is there a way that that can be even further mitigated in the future through energy costs, or is there any? Is that just like the average, or is that something that can also improve? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's definitely uh, a lot that. Or I think that can go even lower based on based on energy costs in the future, and and that is also based on the estimates that we had based on uh, specific regions. So um, I think that that can, um, as there, uh, as more and more energy production uh, is needed and also is starting to be created, um, I I do believe those those costs can can go even lower from that. Mm -hmm. uh, out of curiosity, yeah, maybe maybe it's too premature to ask. I don't want to um, ask you to think things too early, but have you been able to see the data on how many times um, currently in your current you know pilots that these uh, containers have been reused? Yeah, uh, so we're we're already beating beating thirty. We're already at uh, around um, sixty uses uh, per oh, wow. replacement, um, and we're looking to to continue to grow that number so that we can can really. Um, better lock in these inventories for uh, for our clients and ensure that they're um, continuing to uh, to drive uh, the the lock in not only environmental benefits but better better cost savings metrics for them as well. Okay, interesting. So what that means, like from a return rate perspective, is um, it's essentially just over a ninety eight percent return rate. Oh wow. Okay, interesting. That's uh, that's good. That's good. And in terms of, you know, the, for the business, have you, so you're into it, what, a 
two two years now basically into this kind of two-ish two two and a half yeah i would go so we're just over one year from launching with our launching our first pilot um but two years from like starting to to really work on the idea um and, and get in action mm -hmm. and so how so far you know this is obviously a software play but there is that component do you have to partner with the reusable container companies or is there already kind of a preferred partner that the, these universities use how does that work so we we like to think of ourselves as the the operating system for reuse. So we're uh, really just the uh, acting as the software layer to go on top of it to make it easier to reuse. But we've already partnered with um, a couple of different groups to provide reusable packaging to the groups that um, that need reusable containers to get up and running. That being said, we're uh, really are our packaging agnostic. So work towards being able to operate on top of any type of packaging to ensure that it can. Uh, can be reused longer. So we've already worked with a couple clients um, that had um, existing reusable container inventories um, to add our labels on top of them and add them into our system um, to ensure that we could track for them how they were being reused, um, ensure that they could um, they could still drive value more out of these uh, containers to to keep their uh, keep them in circulation. Yeah. And, and so what is the, I guess, what does the growth look like from here? Like what, what is the next step now that you're kind of getting some of the basic points proved? And I, I'd be keen to just go big picture. What are you hoping to achieve over the coming years? And, and what's maybe the phases that it's supposed to look like, at least currently, I, I know plans change, but be keen to hear it. Yeah. So what this, uh, <laughs> there will definitely be still a lot of change involved as, as most road roadmaps do, but um, the, our, our next big step that I'm really excited to take is to, to build out our uh, our first real client app um, where we uh, have currently been providing reports on a, on a regular basis to our clients to be able to, to visualize um, the, the usage of the inventory, um, but enabling them to um, directly be able to um, view those insights in real time, um, be able to extract reports as, as they need, as well as um, being able to perform different functions themselves, like um, bulk scanning inventory in at different locations to be, have a, a, an accurate record of how many containers are available um, at each location um, and really um, uh, available uh, like to, to still be reused. Um, and additionally, um, on that side of things, work to, to gain better insights into environmental impact and return rate, but um, then from the consumer perspective, really look to uh, to really hone in on uh, the this process of uh, and align incentives through through gamification. To um, like I mentioned, that we're as we can now that we have like data coming in as to um, how many times a, a, someone reuses a container, um, work towards uh, rewarding them with different uh, as they cross different milestones and thresholds and. Um, unlock cost savings itself, potentially like milestones and badges, but um, really show um, their own, represent that that own impact to them um, so that they can um, better feel uh, uh, pulled into the, the space and why they want to do this. That uh, to make this behavior not only uh, easy, but, but fun for them to keep engaging in. And uh, I think there's a lot of ways that we can do that with not just the, the dining halls as we work towards um, possibly unlocking those savings from them, but um, tying into uh, communities and other other partners that want to support those uh, customers that are really wanting, that are already engaging in these beneficial um, actions for society uh, to help uh, provide discounts or other uh, 
uh, rewards for them as they continue to just participate with reuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, and maybe you can speak to this a tad, or at least your your idea of it. But what about from the customer loyalty perspective? If you've got a chain like Dig or something, or or Kava that's you know reusing these things, what does it look like in your mind, or do you have data on this on in terms of a customer loyalty? and perhaps even driving more revenue? I, I don't think we have enough uh, data on that currently since we're still at um, the, uh, just in, in campuses right now. Uh, but that being said, uh, you're totally right on, right on the money of where, uh, as we can get to to restaurants and these other spaces that we're regularly returning to, and potentially even like grocery groups or, or places where that are using reusable bags and other types of products that um, have no insight into how their uh, customers are engaging with these already more environmental be- beneficial activities. Uh, as they can gain better insight into that, uh, can help um, them really get a better picture of who their customer is, as well as um, for uh, those customers to get um, really feel that that value and uh, unlock more value from being uh, engaging in those. Uh, engaging in reuse and ensuring that more that uh, by by showing that they're continuing to return to these locations and uh, participated at these at these places that um, they can unlock more discounts and um, unlock um, more value for for them to to be able to to drive it into. So it really becomes a de facto uh, loyalty program as you can continue to um, collect. Uh, provide more of those insights directly back to both the consumer and those uh, and the the client that's uh, working to already has a relationship with those with those customers. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just my mind is wandering, but I think there's so many things that in not even just in the sustainability side, but there's so many things that if you really, really spend time to think about how can I my loyalty program really drive for the revenue and a better relationship with my with my clients or my uh, consumers. There's probably so many things that you could do, and I I can imagine there being quite a number of potential partnerships with, um, you know, rewards companies or different things that are already there, and you can integrate. I'd be really fascinated. I'm I'm sure you know once you prove it out, you you guys will have a lot of interesting interesting announcements. Um, one thing I guess I'd be keen to since you're really early, you know, in the company, are there any growth hacks or like really kind of fun things that you've done to try to you know, gain traction. I'd be really keen to just hear any of the gritty things that you've done. Um, it's a, it's a good question. I think the, uh, I'm definitely, we're still pretty early on in this to um, be able to say like any of that successfully, but um, I, th- I think as well as really working to, to know uh, who you're really uh, providing that value to that um, in addition to, like I talked about the the top down. So we, I think go to market strategy is a, is a key way that, that that can occur. And when we're looking at um, reaching out to, when we reached out to, to Wesley indirectly, we knew that um, they tied in directly to Bon Appetit and could help uh, by replicating uh, or by proving uh, a successful model of reuse at Wesley and could then um, work towards uh show Bon Appetit that this could work at other lo- their locations as well. Um, but also um, by learning more about uh, those groups uh, and those larger channels itself and embed um, with them uh, could then work towards 
uh, like with creative dining that we've worked with that um, haven't like they uh, directly wanted to support like uh, startups and groups working within sustainability to uh, to drive and help support uh, people within that space that um, they invited us to actually talk to um, to their clients and directors about um, what what we're doing already. So that was um, by having like establishing that relationship through through our community was a, a great entryway to be able to gain exposure to, to many different groups that would have taken a lot much more time to actually do so otherwise. Um, that uh, it's I would say it's it's important to have one strategy nailed down, but uh, it's it's also important to test and find out what what works best. Um, that going through, uh, if you can uh, make sure before you focus all your time in one area, um, testing multiple hypotheses with that, such as we're going from individuals to to larger, as well as looking at going from the the larger in, uh, dining service to to many clients across them as well, just to see which one's actually going to have the broader impact more easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is pretty fascinating. I, I have a. I, I think what's also sticking out to me that seems quite interesting is that, if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm not an expert at technology, but it sounds as though you have a particular set of customer data, uh, not, not customer data, behavioral data that other people even other big companies, if they want to replicate this, they may not be able to because they're not already doing it, right? And these are very particular things. Maybe they could apply some of this learning to existing data they have, I'm not sure. But I think that that's quite quite fascinating to, to think about how that could be valuable in the future as well. Um, interesting. In terms of any other, are there any other things you've noodled on and thought, you know, there's another side effect or potential benefit that we haven't even thought about from other than, you know, we're not letting these things go into the, into the trash can after one use. Are there other benefits to the, to the people using it? Any other kind of positive outcomes that you've seen that were not anticipated? Yeah, I think um, I've talked to a little bit on this already, but one of the biggest ones that surprised me was uh, as we, we started to, like my, my biggest assumption around or going into uh, or thinking about reuse ahead of time was that um, the two uh, biggest drivers would be cost savings and um, environmental benefits. And it's not that those aren't important, they still are, um, but the there's a the third key one of uh, sovereignty over supply chain has been a lot more important than I, than I realized or, or even thought about ahead of time. That, um, with the the problems that the pandemic had around and still have around um, packaging needing to travel long distances from other locations to what's going to be available are they actually going to need to go to a, a different supplier to access the packaging that they needed um that uh with reusables you can have gained data and have better insight into like what inventory you really have how long, like make sure that it can stay in circulation longer so you're not needing to repurchase as frequently um, and allow you to uh, open up more time and uh, as well as get better quality products to then stay in circulation longer. Mm -hmm. What um, What is the total size of this market? Do you have idea of the TAM in general? Um, I think I, I really, <laughs> There's a lot of different numbers that can be thrown around for a TAM um, in this space, and it really depends on what type of um, the uh, the location and like how to like what all gets included with that. 
Um, for what I talk to when I when I talk to investors, um, I think it can very easily be over a $65 billion market because um, in addition, there's um, over 3 million restaurants, hotels, um, and grocery chains, um, as well as these campuses that are already spending um, roughly $10,000 a year or more on takeout action that can be uh, migrated towards uh Sorry, five million was the the number of uh, groups in that space that are spending um, over uh, over twelve grand a year on the, on that. So it's and that's that's really on a conservative figure for that. There um, there's a lot more types of packaging that could be potentially uh, pulled into that. Um, but um, there's so much like the biggest competition to reusable packaging right now is disposable packaging where. Most of that, many of that's is going through polystyrene, which has now been linked to um, being a carcinogen of eating out of. Um, there's a lot of concerns out of PFAT, like eating out of uh, the just more single-use plastic packaging. It's just like it being having more PFAS directly in that as well. Um, that uh, many like reusable packaging already has some inherent like health benefits to that as well that we can um, work towards towards locking in and as more uh, consumers understand that and like more legislation is quickly getting implemented in a lot of places around this, um, I think can can really uh, bring to the forefront uh, the why and, or like the, the, ch the change needed for many of these systems um, to ensure that uh, reuse has the uh, can get implemented in, in many different facets of life. Mm -hmm. how, how do you know how big the like how much is the spend either globally or I don't know what numbers you have, but the spend on disposable patch packaging for let's just say restaurants or universities, something that's a little bit more. Do you, under, do you know how much that is already? Um, so for university campuses, like in the U.S., many of them. Uh, so what we talk about in metrics, it's already. They're already spending over a billion dollars, and that's just campuses here in the U.S. <laughs> Globally, you take that and include the restaurants with it. Um, they're wow. they're already spending um, well over uh, well over sixty billion dollars um, in that space. Wow, interesting. Um, this is this is pretty fascinating. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I did want to ask if there's other business models that you think that this can be you know applied to or other business models you can go into in the near future things that you're i guess I, generally speaking what where are you looking for in the future you talked about the roadmap but like what are you excited for coming next and kind of open any question there yeah i think that uh, there's a uh, i don't want to give too much away so I, um, <laughs> I, but i think that uh just as a, as a teaser from that i think like i said i think there's a lot of um just outside of clamshell containers, there's other so many other types of packaging that that this can be applied to. So whether that be um, soup bowls that can then be added in, added better mechanisms for people to be able to see the impact of their um, reusable cups and mugs, uh, to be able to see how much, um, how many uh, disposable bottles that they're actually saving from that process, um, to eventually be able to unlock that for uh, reusable bags for all, all shopping as well. And, being able to tie into the partners that um, that otherwise would have provided that uh, to be able to showcase to them 
really the the savings that they're um, unlocking that their customers are already unlocking for them um, and drive more customers to engage in that so that they can um, drive more value to themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. I, I, I know it seems maybe like a, a simple product to some people listening perhaps, but like to me, this, this is very, there's so many nuances and interesting partnerships. I'm really a big fan of partnerships. And I think that there's so many ways that this could really kind of reshape. I was just thinking, you know, being in New York city, you know, finding points of, Hey, you know, you may not be able to get the person who got their, their Uber eats or whatever delivered to easily remember to go return it to the driver. Or maybe there's things you could do, but maybe there's like depots where you can deposit, deposit it on your way to work. You know, there's a, a bin somewhere that's specifically for this. I've thought about this in the past. If there's, if there's ways that cities can incentivize um, their cities to be cleaner by having some type of like digital payment for depositing trash or something and similar mindsets. I, I think there's so many things that could happen with this. Uh, we, we don't have time to get into it, but um, anyways, this has been really great. I really appreciate you coming on. What are your asks to the audience and, and where can people reach you? Well, uh, I, it's been such a pleasure as well talking with you more about this. Alice, you know, this is such a huge passion to me and I, I really appreciate you uh, giving coverage to the uh, to these topics and really working to uh, to get uh, more exposure and, and get oxygen to the space. And um, so, regarding us, I mean, we're always we're looking now for for more partners. That, so, if you know any other like types of, if your audience knows any campuses that are looking to um, that they where they would like to adopt reuse, whether that be universities where we've primarily been operating at, or um, potentially like hospitals or corporate campuses that. Um, have already are already using reusable packaging in places with dining services that are already cleaning and collecting plates um, that could potentially clean and collect reusable containers as well and places where people can most easily um, bring this packaging back by being the, at those facilities regularly. Um, that would love to uh, to talk with them more about that and see how we can help. And then awesome. how we can how we can find us. Uh, so I'm at. Um, Find me on LinkedIn um, or, or Twitter um, at Reuse Revolt. Um, I'm also um, for the uh, any of the company handles. It's Reuser Official, so R E U S E R Official. Awesome! This has been great. I really, really enjoyed this, and uh, I'm keen to see how things go. Maybe I'll dig up some contacts for you. Hopefully, I can see what I can do and help. I really appreciate uh, just just meeting you, Silas, and getting and getting able to have more of these conversations and. Um, I hope I uh, just look forward to getting into the the city at some point again to to seeing and absolutely uh, time we're there. We'll we'll get a coffee hopefully at some place that offers reusable containers, right? <laughs> Sounds good. All right.